A photographer recruits a vice documentary crew to accompany him to the elusive religious compound Eden Parish to find and rescue his sister, who's been living there for some time. What they find is a heavily guarded paradise led by a charismatic leader known as Father. Of course, paradise is not all it appears to be. And pretty soon, the Vice crew is fighting for their lives in the 2013 psychological cult film, The Sacrament. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Leger. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. I hope you enjoyed some of our new contributors in our past couple of episodes. My special thanks to Colton Jenkins and Christian Aguilar for their insights into Batman and Jeepers Creepers. I look forward to having them on the show more in the near future. Uh, Now. Yeah, good job. I listened to both episodes. We're happy with uh, both of them. Uh, No, we've talked about offline, but my invitation extends to both of them if they ever want to Hop on to Beyond the Bad. I am more than willing. Noise. Yeah, I'd love to hear what they have to say about some shit movies. I love hearing anybody talk about shit movies. It's like an art form. <laughs> it is. It really is sometimes. Jeremy <laughs> uh, really tested me on that one. <laughs> yeah. Now, The Sacrament. This was a blind watch for both of us. Uh, we chose this film because of its writer-director, Ty West. He's got a new one coming out this weekend called X, which looks so over the top and ridiculous and very intriguing and still has kind of a theme of religious idolatry, which I feel like peppers a lot of his work. To an extent, what, I, what I've always liked what Ty Rest is working with, because I, I, now, now I've seen this, I think the only thing I need to watch though is The Roost, um, his, de, his de, uh, directorial debut. But out of everything else I've seen, it's there because like House of Devil goes with the satanic panic. Of, um, I want to say the 70s. It's been a bit since I've seen it. Maybe 80s. 80s. Yeah, 80s. There we go. Um, so it does that at the time. Incubus is, is a more traditional paranormal thing. I think there was some kind of twist, but again, a long time since I've seen it, I have to look it up. And then, yeah, I'll, like Sacrament, big time with the cults and stuff like that. And you get the idea of it might be an X, but what I've, again, we don't know until we see it this Friday. But what I do like a lot about his work that I've seen is that each film is, it's different. Like each, well, his films don't really feel the same. Like, you know, like I said, House Ever really goes into Satanic Panic and explores that. And Cuba's very paranormal. This one dealt with cults big time. And this next one is Porno Meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as everyone keeps describing it. So what I like is that his films are very different from the other. He doesn't like to just do the same type of horror film um, yeah. with each one. Yeah, I respect that. I respect a, uh, a wide variety. Definitely keeps the audience guessing. And X, you know, considering we don't know much about it, I think is going to be uh, pretty mind-blowing. Or at least I'm hoping it is. It, um, it, looks like, it looks like he's having a lot of fun with this one, based off the trailer. Yeah. Well, we thought it'd be fun, you know, in honor of X to pick one of his previous films. Uh, this is one that's always been on my radar. Uh, my apologies to fans of The Innkeepers and House of the Devil, but both those films will surely make it to the show at some point. We are far from done with Ty West. Before we get into the film, I do want to talk about its dark influence. The Sacrament is heavily inspired by the real-life Jonestown Massacre that occurred in the small South American country of Guyana in 1978. I have an article from History.com that describes the events of the Jonestown Massacre, and I'd like to talk about it here today 
Uh, warning, this is going to get dark as fuck. This is real death, real murder, uh, real delusion. So let's let's dig into it. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read this, read through this article, and we'll just kind of throw in our two cents when we feel like saying something. So on November 18th, 1978, People's Temple founder Jim Jones leads hundreds of his followers in a mass murder-suicide at their agricultural commune in a remote part of the South American nation of Guyana. Many of Jones' followers willingly ingested a poison-laced punch, while others were forced to do so at gunpoint. The final death toll at Jonestown that day was 909. A third of those who perished were children. Jesus Christ, 909 people, uh, most of which willingly drank cyanide-laced flavor aid to follow Jim Jones into what they believed was heaven. Uh, fuck. I can't imagine having that much faith in anything, let alone this guy. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Cult, you know, like cults are terrifying to me. And I think in a way, I'm not saying they go hand in hand, but it's probably one of the reasons I'm not as religious as others in my family. Because um, just the idea of blindly following these people, these types of people, and just doing whatever you want to do in the name of your God or whatever the fuck you worship terrifies the living shit out of me. Um, cults especially, like, this one guy has all this power. In the case of Jim Jones, you know, successfully did a mass ho- mass suicide of almost a thousand people. Like, and then I would suicide mostly i'm sorry but those children that's homicide as far as i'm concerned some of those were babies i had no say they were rejected for christ's sakes um so to 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 do that and then to look whatever you want to believe in when it comes to heaven and hell i'll say this if you're going to do something like that you ain't going to the good place there's no way you're going to the good place have fun rotting wherever the fuck you know it is hell whatever you want to call it you're rotting there my my biggest problem with religion and you know blind faith it's where do you draw the line like what's the difference between a religion and a cult at what point is a religion a cult at what point is a cult a religion is it numbers like what what is that well, that's that's what's scary because you look at things like the Amish community uh, Mormonism Scientology like these are things that are identified as as religions. But if you really look at like what they do and how they operate, it's it's fucking cult like for Christ's sakes. Like it is all cult like yeah, because they found loopholes, they are recognized religions. So it gets kind of scary. Even in religions, right? All right, like I'll for me, you know, I was raised Catholic. What's the one thing the Catholic Church has been trying to fucking hide for decades that they uh, haven't done a very good job on? So it's like even something that by all means, right, is supposed to be super good and religious and this was to be good for you. It has a horrendous history of child abuse. Yeah. Well, not just child abuse. I mean, the Catholic church is behind some of the most horrific mass killings in history. I mean, just look at, you know, the Salem witch trials, the Spanish inquisition, the crusades, like all this was, you know, uh, God told me to. The massive amounts of corruption that ran rampant throughout the church. Yeah. For for centuries. I was going to say decades, but centuries. How is that not, the very definition of cult-like behavior, like blindly following a spiritual leader into murder, into torture, into rape, 
because you believe God has given you the green light to do whatever you want, as long as you're worshiping the right person. That is psycho. Like because of the numbers and because of these centuries of acceptance, that's just normal behavior. That's religion. But Jim Jones is, is a cult. It's like, see, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't track for me. For me, it's all the same brand of crazy. Yeah. And to me, what's crazy is that, you know, we're just talking big right now, but even like, and kind of what kind of got me to start not really got me kind of out of it and thinking like this isn't right is things like hearing dumb shit like you can love this you can't love the sun but you can love the sinner and i'm like that's fucking stupid that doesn't make any sense um being told things like tattoos and certain things that i specifically fucking enjoy are bad but because i'm a good person and i enjoy it, it's fine i'm like well it doesn't fucking track yeah for me it's like, all right, look, if if you find value and comfort in God and you're not hurting anybody, you do you, you keep you keep on keeping on, live your live your full life, whatever you got. But so many people use God as an excuse to hurt people. And I I will not accept that. I refuse to support any kind of organization that does that on any level, sexuality, like anything. And I equate them all as just various versions of Jim Jones. Just yeah. telling the same story, maybe not using Kool-Aid, but maybe using, you know, tithing or, you know, or whatever. using the religion to hide behind reasons that atrocious laws are being passed that are regressing us. Mm-hmm. The abortion thing. And um, I know um, in Florida, don't say gay bill, that's going on. And in Texas, the own trans... Thing I actually just learned about today. I didn't know it was a thing I learned about today. Yeah, they've been doing that shit super quietly and no one's paying attention to it, but they are ripping away transgender rights in Texas and it's horrific. Yeah, I just learned that today after I got on Fright Wags um, to make some pre-orders on stuff. I got myself a Halloween 3 glass and they partnered with Fangoria for a a trans right um, group advocacy group down in Texas. And you could get like a t-shirt or enamel pin, you know, with the LGBTQI colors on it. I got myself the enamel pin because I don't need another t-shirt right now. <laughs> um, but I got that. And like when I was doing that, someone mentioned something about it. I was like, what? And I looked at him, I was like, oh my God. So I'm glad that I inadvertently did my part because yeah. the proceeds of that enamel pin, the $12 I spent went to that charity group. So hopefully it's not much, but it's better than not doing anything. There's been so many protests at Texas State. There's every time I walk through the quad, there's been like groups of people with signs that say, you know, trans rights or human rights. And I'm glad people are standing up for this because this is this is unacceptable. This is an absolute violation of human rights. And I can't believe we're just letting it fucking happen. Well, that's why, like, like I said, like I know it, like with cults and this like religious stuff, it's just ways to hide to just fucking, in my opinion, regress and constantly regress to like, maybe go back to the old ways, the better ways. Oh, I mean, when women were second class and if you were not, anything outside of a white straight male, you couldn't fucking live a good normal life. Like those weren't the good days. Like it's supposed to get better. All of that shit can be traced back to the church. It really, it really can. Uh yeah, so I have no respect for organized religion whatsoever. I don't care what it is. I I don't I don't buy it. I'm not I'm not I don't want your pamphlet. Leave me alone. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I was walking my dog. Funny story. Walking my dog one day, right? 
And I had the, the, the mail cue with me, so I grabbed the mail on the way back. As I'm going, there's two dudes in suits walking away from one of my neighbor's doors. And I'm like, oh, shit. Drovers, witnesses. Oh, and, like, you know, my dog's getting excited you know, as I'm checking the mail, so I'm like, get back. And, like, I pull him on the leash back. And I'm looking, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, dude, be quiet. Be quiet, be quiet. And I'm, like, opening the mailbox real quiet. And I'm like, I get my mail, and I'm like, all right, come on, dude. We got to go. We got to go. And, like, I rush inside, lock my door, shut the blinds. I go and trust me. I was like, hey, those Jehovah Witnesses walking around. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> that's, yeah, I don't, I, that's how my, uh, my grandparents became Mormons. They, uh, Witnesses? well, no, not like missionaries, not Jehovah's Witnesses. That would be oh, yeah, a like story, wouldn't it? Out too, yeah. <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses show up and somehow convince my grandparents to join a completely different religion. <laughs> They're good salespeople. They are very good salespeople. But yeah, my um, they preyed on my on my family's weaknesses because my grandma's father had just passed away, and she was looking for some sort of guidance, and they could tell. And they convinced my grandparents to become Mormons, and they were Mormons for like almost a decade. And uh, I don't, I have yet to really hear the story of how they left. I know they did leave, but. I think they just they had a moment of like, what the fuck's going on? Like, this is not right for our family. And they, they booked it. But after they were still harassed for years by the Mormons for leaving the church, like people would constantly look at like you know, call them up or be, you know, be outside their house and be like, you coming back? Or like, you know, we miss you, that kind of thing. So like, it's a cult. They all yeah, are. If you can't escape under your own rule, and if you do, they harass you. That's a cult. That's not religion. No. Religion is supposed to be, you know, spiritual, a spiritual connection that benefits your life. It's not an open invitation to harass and condemn and bully people. It's just, it's not, but we've co-opted it. And yeah, I, uh, if, if God's real, he's fucking ashamed of us. Let's be honest. Yeah. I, I tend to abide by the Slayer songs that, um, God, it's a Slayer. It's an album actually, but I think the song on it, God hates us. Um, I, I get that. I get, I get that sentiment. The closest thing I have to a God is probably Nicholas Cage. Cause he's never done me wrong. I've known his paycheck era. No, I believe, I believe in him. We all, you know, why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. So Cage is doing his own thing. Never done wrong by me. I, I worship him. Okay, I remember that next time you watch Wicker Man, Left Behind. Even though they're shit movies, he's entertaining as hell. You can't deny that. Yeah, he pushes it, though, on Left Behind because he looked like bloated and actually bored for once in his movie. And I was like... I've, I've stayed away from Left Behind because it's a movie. Of, it's Christian propaganda, so I don't, I don't want to watch that. It's probably why he looked depressed throughout the movie yeah. and bloated. I was I like... Look- oh. I look forward to having this exact conversation when we do left behind on Beyond the Bad eventually. <laughs> He's probably like, God damn it. I know I accept some pretty bad movies in this point in my career, but why did I say yes to this one? Or how many times he's had that kind of self-reflection in his trailer. Like, I, I could have picked any script on my table. They wanted me. All of these scripts, but I went with this one. <laughs> why? <laughs> Oh God, Mr. Cage! We need you on set. Oh, okay, how to get burned? <laughs> Not the bees. 
I heard I was re- I was reading an interview he did about the unbearable weight of massive talent. Apparently, he threw a whole bunch of references to his movies in there personally, including not the beats. Oh my god! Yeah, he said he appreciated the memification of a lot of his uh, less than great work, and so he put that into that movie for the fans. <laughs> this is truly a a a a movie made by fans, Nicholas Cage. For the fans of Nicolas Cage. It is, man. It's it's my fucking Bible. And I'm not alone. Batman started a compound. I might just give up everything and go go hey, go hang out. Honestly, it'd be the most entertaining shit ever. Yeah, I'd call him father. And I don't know if I'd, you know, but he wouldn't lead us into suicide. No, if anything, he'd probably make you all think you're Superman or something. Or teach you his acting traits. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Cage just starts like an acting school in the compound and like a compound in Montana or some shit. It's like $300,000 entry, <laughs> but he will show you the ways of the cage. <laughs> oh, All I need to know. Did he, and isn't it an acting style that he made up that like he credits for it to himself? It's some weird, like combination of several different techniques that he calls like, like, uber stoicism or some shit he he made it up it's awesome it's like (laughs) half like super stoic very quiet and half absolutely batshit crazy and you somehow find like a middle ground and that's Nicolas cage i don't think he's even found the middle ground himself sometimes (laughs) he thinks he has he 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 has not it's not it it is only it's it's one of those two extremes every time i would say he's had his moments recently with like mandy and big yeah but even then like pig he was the super stoic stoic very quiet guy mandy he started out like that and then he went to the other extreme of losing he did take that mind. he did take that super acid <laughs> I, I really love that scene when he takes it and you see his immediate reaction <laughs> we got from we got to do mandy at some point soon i'd like to revisit that right i i will gladly watch that movie for like the hundredth time i love that movie <laughs> fuck yeah um all right well we were talking about jonestown uh but yeah. i mean <laughs> shit. yeah uh, um, oh yeah truly like you know it, it's where we get the joke right the don't oh don't drink the kool-aid because they had it was like you said was, i think actually flavor rated because yeah they, they couldn't even afford kool-aid for christ's sakes you would think <laughs> your last day on earth everyone's gonna die spring for the for the good stuff I'd be pissed. I'd be like, look, if I'm willingly drinking this, you give me Kool-Aid. God damn it. Yeah. I, I remember being a kid and loving Kool-Aid. My mom used to make that shit for me. Oh, my God. You give me a tall glass of cherry Kool-Aid with ice. Oh. Throw in as much poison as you want. I'll, I'm in. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I just think it's weird that, like, you're going to kill all these people and you're not even going to they pay the extra two bucks for the real yeah, cool right and then well and then whoever doesn't drink it you're just gonna shoot anyway so yes. so well, the question would you drink the kool-aid or would you take the bullet fuck that's a really disturbing question um disturbing <laughs> i mean if i'm in jones if i'm in that deep if i gave up everything i went to guyana and i am part of the jonestown compound in 1978 i i would assume I'm on board at that point. Like 
anything goes. So I would probably end up drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't know. If I was in that deep and then you told me that like it has poison, I'd be like, I know how poison works. I don't know if I want to go through that with my body. It's a painful death. Mm. Yeah. You would have to well, and then with the bullet, you have to hope they shoot you in the head or something. Well, I would just yeah. I'd hide under the corpses and just wait for Jim to blow his brains out and then fuck off. I wonder no no one did that, actually. Oh well. I don't uh, think there were any survivors. Out. But no, everyone's freaking out. Everyone's scared. Yeah, no one probably thought of that. It's true. Fuck. Um, but yeah, very. Jonestown, I think, to me, if like when, it talk, when we talk about cold somebody that has lasted as long as it has in American history, is because I think the numbers alone is what shocks people. Like, you know, cults are scary enough, and how like people who are very, I don't want to be like rude and say weak minded, but you get people that are very vulnerable. They're in a vulnerable place in life. So they are in a way weak mind at the time and you, you can manipulate that and get them in and then to get them deep enough and get that many people. And then to tell them, Hey, cause they did it. Cause I think like the, the authorities were like closing in and getting ready to fucking bust him. Yep. And to, to be that much of a monster and instead of like letting 909 people live and you go to jail, you're like, no, fuck that. I'm going to kill all of them. And then I'm going with them. Well, I mean, I think people need to remember that nine times out of 10, the leaders do not believe this shit. They're con men who are using this as a way to become powerful, to sleep with women, to sleep with children, which is a weirdly big part of this in a lot of these cults. Yeah. And a lot of the last podcasts on left and um, the time sucks I've listened to sex with uh, underage females gets brought up a lot in these cults. Almost an uncomfortable amount, as in more than once. Yeah, almost every time. It's crazy. Like, yeah. Honestly, the Heaven's Gate guy is like the one dude who just wanted to like meet alien Jesus. Like that's all he wanted. Like there was nothing else in that cult, but like, I want to meet Space Christ. Anybody who wants to come with me can come with me, but I won't hold it against you if you don't take the poison. He actually he let people go. He's like, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. And they, some people backed out of the project, but other people went with him. He ended up like him and like 30 other people just died in track suits with like a dollar 30 and change in their pocket for some reason. Okay. That's what the aliens wanted, I guess. Um, that's, that's actually kind of a reasonable cult leader, if you ask me. But if I um, had to join a cult, I would join Heaven's Gate. Right. Like he actually was like, no, you guys aren't, you guys can just walk right out. I don't care. You yeah. can walk out or you can I, I really don't care. Doors open. That's the best selling point. I can leave. Yeah. Leave everyone. I, I just want to meet Alien Jesus. You want to follow me? Cool. Uh-huh. What a crazy fucking story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy because, like, what is it? Like, it's always like the leader wants to have sex with underage women, which is creepy. But then, like, and then it gets, like, 50-50 and if the rest of the male members of the cult get to fuck or not. Which, like, look, I'm not I'm not condoning at all. But if you join a cult and you're told, like, you can't even fuck your own wife, but the cult leader can fuck your own wife, like, what the fuck? Like, get, no. Well, it's, that's crazy. It's crazy that people don't back out of that project at that point. When, when they're told, like, your wife is now the leader's wife and that's it. Like, right. And, and you're he, expected to not have sex anymore. So you don't, not ever, which is terrifying. Unreal. Um, uh, Whereas yeah. Russia hasn't imploded yet after Porno cut off their access, but 
but yeah, Jim Jones was one of those guys who used this as an excuse to fuck his female members. And I, um, I don't, I assume, you know, some of their children as well. I would not be surprised. And when the authority, so that was one on, I'm thinking of times like the last podcast where they talk about one call where the dudes could have sex, but they couldn't come. I re- was that the Onita silverware guys? It was that now sells actual silverware, but Oneida apparently started out as a fucking cult. Just weird to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could fuck, but they could not come. Like that is horrendous. Fuck you. <laughs> at that point, look. At that point, I'm not stopping. <laughs> How do you pitch that? How do you sell that to people? Like, join my cult. You'll get to have as much sex as you want, but you don't get to finish. Like, yeah, no. But no, fuck you, because I'm at the point where I'm about to finish. No, I no, no, I'm mad if something happens and I have to stop. No. There was one of those cults where like a guy got tortured by like having his like a like a rubber band like repeatedly t- tied around his balls. Like to the point where they like they they like they got they rotted off. Oh God. Because, because he like slept with one of the leader's wives or something like that. It was, I think it was the Ant Hill kids or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. But point is, if you want to have a healthy sex life, do not join a cult or fuck a mob boss's daughter or wife. Yeah, that too. It was um, those who watch a lot of crime movies. Yeah, just just stay away from psychos. That's a big. That's the best advice. Mm-hmm. Just stay away from anybody who you think might be a little off. You can continue having sex yeah. and finishing, and you know. Being alive. <laughs> that too. Uh, so yeah, if you want to learn more about Jonestown, we kind of just laid out the, the end of the Jonestown massacre, but a lot went, you know, a lot had to happen first to get well, to the point yeah. where Jim Jones was feeding poison to 900 people. Yeah. Started out in America. I forget which state, actually. I think I want to my mind saying Texas, but I know it's not Texas. It was like the Midwest or yeah. Illinois or something, but he started out yeah. with good intentions. Like Jim Jones started out like wanting to create a church that was free of racism and wanting to help people very much like father in this movie. Like the intentions were pure in the beginning, but absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And when you've got a thousand people calling you father and doing your bidding, you are not going to stay pure for long. Yeah. And the only reason he ran to Guyana was because the feds were closing in in America. So he fucking uprooted and ran. And then, you know, it took them a while, so like, well, shit, like, because of laws, you can't exactly just follow. There's a lot of shit that has to get now procedured and stuff like that. But, like I said, the reason they even did the whole, the Kool-Aid thing was because the feds finally got, like, the okay, they knew where it was at, they got the okay, they fucking assembled the tax force, they were going in to take him down. He caught one of it, and then, yeah, fed all his members um, if you have the stomach, there is audio recordings of it. It is haunting. I've heard it myself. So if you have stomach, you want to go down that route and listen. It's it exists, but just be warned. It's 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 something. I've listened to it myself. So have I, and I really wish I hadn't. Uh, it's something. It's 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 so fucking disturbing to hear actual death happening. Uh, Everything yeah. about that, from hearing the death to, and especially if you're the parts where Jim Jones is talking and that prick is like so calm and serene as people are just dying around him. There's also um, a pretty famous uh, photograph of the aftermath of Jonestown that you can 
look up if you want to see 909 people lying dead in a field. Yeah, it's a it's an aerial shot from the helicopters that were flying around. It's still the largest mass suicide in world history, uh, a recorded history. Um, I hope I hope we don't beat that. I hope nothing beats 909. There's not a lot of active or not a lot of well-known cults anymore that the sixties and seventies were like, you know, like the heyday of cults and serial killers. Yeah. Which they, that's a whole interesting discussion that you can get into with, um, why, uh, those are like experts, you know, that blanket term experts that have like looked into like why the sixties and seventies and that era, era of, of our history had so many like serial killers and cults and stuff going on is unlike how it is now. There's really interesting stuff on like why that was LSD Vietnam and free love. (laughs) I I believe that all that combined fucked with some heads. Yeah. I was still like thinking about parenting. So I was right. Like don't come home until the sun's down. We'll lock the door. It's like, well, that may not be the best parenting, guys. And also, like, people were totally willing to pick up hitchhikers, regardless of the situation. So I'm sure a lot of, you know, a lot of that led to a lot of death. People didn't lock their doors for the, a long time until Manson happened. Um, yeah. There was one cult that was hilarious. They were called the Source Family. They, uh, there was a time suck on these guys. It's one of the funniest episodes they ever did. These guys were wacko, but like not really that dangerous. It was led by a guy named Father Yod, who uh, they operated a vegan restaurant in, in LA and also a rock band called Yahawa 13. That is some of the worst music I've ever heard in my life. And Father Yod is basically just, you know, free love. He, he said he was balling. That was his big thing. I'm all about balling, baby. And uh, he ended up dying in a freak hang glider accident, as as you would, and the whole thing just kind of dissolved. <laughs> but uh, look that up; it's a crazy fucking story and really funny because it they just like it was just a compound where everyone was fucking like there was really like nothing dangerous about it. Father Yod is a really chill dude, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Well, if anything, a pretty awesome one to be a part of if you want to fuck a lot. True. I just. I love the fact that he died in a hang glider accident. Like he just, he crashed. That was it. Somehow he was the, he was the glue holding the orgies together somehow. (laughs) Also look up some of that music. It is so bad. It's him just like loudly, like almost yodeling over like really shitty guitar and drums. It's, it's so crazy. Uh, Anyway, cults are bad. It's bad. Okay. <laughs> don't uh, don't join one and look up Jonestown if you want more information. But now uh, back yeah. to the movie. Yeah. If you ever find yourself in a rough place, don't let a cult get into that mind. Find other healthy ways to get past your trauma, grief, whatever you're going through. But don't let a cult get through it. Yeah, because there's you know cult. There's people in cults who are you know master's degree owners. There's people who are you know trained soldiers, trained like very intelligent people. Sometimes fall prey to this because they're in a vulnerable state of mind, and they know that. You know that's why they 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 prey on people who are, you know, suffering loss of some sort. It's 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 a it's a system. Like there's no, nobody just stumbles into a cult. It's 
you have to you have to buy this shit. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be funny if you stumbled into a cult and you didn't realize <laughs> you were like you thought you were just like you know meeting with some friends, but turns out you've been in a cult for like six years and you didn't really know. It's like the nicest cult ever, though. You're like, wait, what? And then they just reveal that they're just full of like love and peace and everything. <laughs> Oh, um, so the sacrament was written and directed by Ty West. Some of his other projects as a director include the innkeepers, the house of the devil cabin fever Two, spring fever in a valley of violence and segments from the anthology films VHS and the ABCs of death. As an actor, he appeared in drinking buddies, the house of the devil and your next, uh, in the valley of violence is one that piqued my interest. It's Ethan Hawke and John Travolta in a Western. So I'm like, that sounds right up my alley. I'm, I'm going to check that one out next. That's the one I keep forgetting that I haven't seen either. I keep forgetting about that one. It's just, uh, it's, he did it after Innkeepers when he was, or after Sacrament. He, I think he was like trying to show that he could do more than just horror. So he kind of stepped out of that. I heard it's incredibly violent. So it's not like he's fully out. Like I heard it's really violent. But I've heard good things about that, that one. I'm on the lookout for, you know, the Travolta projects that kind of slipped through the cracks. I like John Travolta. I know he's, he's a tough sell these days <laughs> speaking of cults but um you know i i'll stand by his his talent as an actor and he's been in some of my favorite movies so i'm not quite willing to throw him to the curb yet i have nothing against Tom Schultz. i just i do feel bad for fans like yourself that like because it's literally like he would have like a research he had like a, a boom then fell off a resurgence fell off again another resurgence I fell off again. I'm like, this guy cannot just say stable in his career. It's impressive almost. I do find it kind of funny that the two films that fucked his career the hardest were both like hardcore passion projects of his. Battlefield Earth and then Gotti were like stuff he was working on for almost a decade and they just fucked his career into the ground both times. He, he, he sure learned don't do passion projects because it fucked him up. I, you know, I, he seems like the kind of guy who surrounds himself with yes men. Like, no one's going to tell him, John, this is a bad idea. I feel like he's like, dude, that if someone says no, it's like that that scene in, um, recently in Serial 666 where Dave Dave got told no, and he just stops. And you can feel the tension in the room just pick up. Did you just say no to John Travolta? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah, I bet there's a bit of that. <laughs> Did you just say no to Dave Kroll? <laughs> I love I love when people refer to themselves in the third person like that. It's the douchiest thing you can do. Oh, yes. Uh, but yeah, Ty West definitely has a, a variety of cool films to check out. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, Joe Swanberg plays cameraman Jake Williams. He also appeared in Your Next, Cabin Fever 2, and Drinking Buddies which he also wrote and directed. And he was also, um, he, he wrote and directed a segment for VHS as well. Uh, a lot of VHS talent in this movie. So a lot of these guys, they, 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 they stuck together. So they did a lot of projects together. Um, I think now they've kind of been, they've kind of separated them and doing their own thing. But when they were starting out around that time, yeah, they were doing a lot of the, the same stuff together. Right on. I thought this guy was the, uh, was Sean Ashmore for a while he looked so much like Iceman. i was like is that him and then i looked it up like oh no it's not 
No, he was a really douchey brother in your next. I, it's, I, it's been such a long time since I saw your next. I really don't remember it that well. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies. Shit blends. <laughs> I liked it. I remember I liked it. I'm not disowning it. I'm just saying I don't remember it. Oh, my God. It really makes it difficult to try these comparisons when you don't remember. Well, when we picked this one for the show, I didn't realize I'd also have to be drawing shit from VHS and your next. I didn't I didn't know that. Do your research. Most of the shit we do is blind. You know that. I do my research. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> Speechless. Yes. It's your show too, asshole. Again, I liked your next. I will watch it again. Eventually. Some point in your life. Yeah. Like maybe on this podcast we do on a weekly basis. Oh, my God. Next up, A.J. Bowen plays Sam Turner, documentarian and interviewer. He was in your next. I trapped the devil. Satanic panic. Sun don't shine. The house of the devil and hatchet Two. Uh neat i liked him i liked how he was starting to kind of fall under father's spell a bit uh yeah neat. I, I was starting to think there was some kind of supernatural thing going on with father and his ability to convince people but no that's just how these people operate they can they can do that yeah it's, 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 to me it was a very realistic take on how this works like it's not it's just that that's how good he like you mentioned earlier, right they prey on people's we can state so father knows how to figure out the things that are weak points and start prodding and poking at them to, to make you fall under his sparrow his spell yeah i was looking into i trap the devil that sounded like a very interesting concept have you seen that one no but i've heard of it i think it's a uh, timo Ch- uh, chichanto that directed it he's done um the night comes for us and I think it's called Headhunt. It's another two movies with the with, uh, actors from the raid. Two oh, like cool. really badass martial arts, like over the top violent films. Cool. Well, I just I love the idea of a guy who thinks he's got like he trapped the devil in his basement. Like I would love to know how that goes down. So I might check that one out. Yeah, I I, I like this guy. Uh, this actor. Everything I've seen him, I usually like him. He's it's always a good presence. Yeah. Um, Kentucker Audley plays Patrick, the photographer. He has the craziest fucking name I've ever heard. Kentucker? Kentucker. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was in VHS, Ain't Them Bodies, Saints, and Her Smell, among other projects. Uh, yeah, his his death is fucking sad. Yeah. On all Look, if this movie taught me anything... When you go to a cult, do not believe that the two ladies that are proposing a threesome are actually interested in a threesome. I don't know. I feel like we'd all fall for that. If we're on the free love compound that looks innocent and two hot women come up to us and be like, we want to have some free love with you. At the same time, not separately. I'd be like, uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> yep you're going to die. <laughs> I, I, get I would it. die. I would 100% die. Yeah, me too. Of course, I'd probably not end up there in the first place because I'd be able to read through the lines of like, this place is a fucking cult. Just look at it. 
Oh yeah, soon well as soon as I get the letter, I'll be like, no, I'm not getting into a sketchy helicopter. And no, no, I'm staying here in New York City. It's nice yeah. here. <laughs> I will bring with me like Interpol or some shit to protect me while I go save my sister. Like I feel like go, you know, t- get a vice crew together, maybe not the best <laughs> protection oh. for you. <laughs> uh but yeah, his 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 way out is just sad. His sister poisoning him and then just holding him as he convulses is was really hard to watch. There's a lot. I, and we'll get into it once we get past this talk about highlights, but I have a lot to say about like how intense this ending was. And Wes is again kind of how I hints earlier, really, like really surprised he didn't have troubles with MPA or anything, and how he really had the balls, in my opinion, to just linger on stuff and find, especially in found footage, finding ways to linger while unlike the fucking pyramid, finding ways to keep it within found footage. Uh, um, but like this one, how he figured that out, and now you're holding on to the shot, and you think you, you know he might make it. You, you know he doesn't drink the water, and then she pulls out that fucking needle. Mm. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I've got some stuff to say about the structure of this film that surprised me, but we'll get into that a bit later. Um, Amy Simons plays Caroline, Patrick's sister, and father's right hand, as we learn. She was an upstream mistress. As it was uh, kind of hinted at, yeah, I and mean, that's that's a given. If there's a if there's attractive women on this compound, father is absolutely sleeping with them. That's just how it works. Yeah, uh, she was in Upstream Color, Sun Don't Shine, No Sudden Move, The New Pet Cemetery, and Alien Covenant. So she's probably had the most successful career acting wise out of everybody in this movie. Oh. Good for her. Which makes sense. Hmm? Yeah, she's really good in this. She's scary. Uh, yeah, just the vibe she gives going in of like, hey, this is an amazing place. Don't You're going to love it. And how that immediately shifts to get that camera the fuck out of my face. Oh, yeah. She was she was really good. She knew how to sell it and then just make you fucking hate her oh. so much. <laughs> yeah, man. We, ah. um, yeah. Upstream color. I, I fucking hate what's his name Shane Carruth. I I cannot stand him as a filmmaker and later as a human being because apparently he was uh, accused of some uh, some sexual abuse. But uh, his films are so ridiculously like slow and um, like full of technical jargon. Like I don't know who the audience is. I had to I, I had to watch two of his films and I fucking hated both of them. So. Just seeing that title again made me think like, oh, I fucking hate that guy. What? Oh, I was like, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> Upstream Color and Primer. Like, she was in Upstream Color. That's the connection. Okay, I was like, what? I, I, got, I got lost here for a second. <laughs> I, I could tell. <laughs> um, finally, Gene Jones plays Father, the head of Eden Parish. And I find it crazy that the guy who's basically playing Jim Jones is named Gene Jones. <laughs> Like, I, I bet that's half of why he got the role. Um, Jones was in The Odd Life of Timothy Green, The Hateful Eight, The Old Man and the Gun, Oz the Great and Powerful, and No Country for Old Men, as the poor bastard who asks Anton Chigurh where he's from. The coin toss scene at the gas station. That's Oh, him. my God. That was him? Yeah. <laughs> you survived that, Odell. I know. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this guy seems familiar to me. And I'm like, that's, yeah, fuck, cool. He also was a sweet Dave in the Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Well, damn. Okay. I look, he was really, really good in this. I performance wise blew it out of the park. As far as being this guy that you could see how he could convince people again that are very in a very vulnerable place, but then just hiding the true monster underneath it. Oh yeah. Very talented guy. Uh, so that's a cast. The Sacrament has an IMDb score of 6.0, Rotten Tomatoes score of 63%. Uh, re- regrettably, it was an enormous bomb, grossing a little over nine grand on its $4 million budget. Uh, still, some people saw it. It's become a bit of a cult classic. And I feel like with horror movies especially, you don't look at the money so much. You look at the, at the reception, which is, was pretty favorable with this movie. So, yeah, I don't consider this a failure. But most, but most movies, and they'll they'll tell you people in the industry like the producers, and you know they put more they put more thought into that opening weekend number than anyone else on the face of this planet. And admittedly, the superhero genre is kind of a big reason for that. Admittedly, that is one of the cons to our beloved genre of like superhero stuff, right? Because they just have huge opening weekends. Um, but what most will tell you is it's not the opening weekend that truly matters for a film ever in any case. It's the legs it has after that. And I'm not talking the weekend after, I'm talking like the years that it can live on, you know, these cult classics and these big uh, hits that people are still watching to this day and are getting 4K releases now and stuff like that. Like that's the true testament to a film's um, reception and staying power. Yeah. It's not the size of the dollar. It's the strength of the longevity. Did you just make that up on the go? Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm fucking witty, man. Sometimes. What do you say? <laughs> so, uh, with that, uh, let's talk about some highlights of the sacrament. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is the structure of this film. It's a found footage film, but it's crafted like a documentary. And... It has a score towards the end and a found footage with a score usually like throws me off. And you know, like we saw with the pyramid it was just stupid. However, I don't know why, but it really works in the sacrament. Well, I think cause in this case it's, you just said it, it's structured like a documentary. So yeah, it's found footage, but because they put all that the stuff at the beginning and the stuff at the end, it's almost as if we're this is we're seeing what's been ed, like made into a feature link and given to us. So you, it's it it's meant to be more of a documentary than found footage. So I think that's the thing, right? Like whereas like Congo Mike's Pyramid, it's so egregious because nothing's established to say like this is why we have a score. This is why we're breaking the found footage. This film takes the time to set up why they can allow a score by saying what's well, technically being presented as a documentary. So we can get away with putting in school when these like the words are popping up and stuff like that. Um, and also they find ways. And I was actually impressed because there's some moments I'm like, they only have two cameras, like how they pulling this stuff off. But how Ty West was able to sit down and go like, this is how we're going to pull off, keeping it, the style and the format going, even with two cameras. And he, he pulled it off. And it's like, see, it's, it's all about taking your time, setting things up and then just committing to your format. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, it's definitely structured very well. I like the slow burn aspect to it. You know, if it just comes out cult swinging, it's like, oh, this is cool, but probably forgettable. But the buildup is essential. You need to understand, like, why are all these people here? 
you know, hearing father on the loudspeaker gets you thinking like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And then just the way it kind of unfolds is really smart. Yeah, I actually was, when I was looking up, this is one of those things where I just, I get so tired of internet uh, voices, internet critics, and um, the whole, like, it's here, like, it's here, like, a horror movie is not slow enough, or it's too fucking slow, and I get so tired of it, I'm like, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's this is really slow, and I'm like, if you actually look at it, and I paid attention, the first 30 minutes are setting things up, character development, building, you know, setting it all up. The last hour just keeps going. The moment that interview happens and that switch happens and the question gets turned on to our main character, and then on, it doesn't stop. And that's literally the last hour of the film. So I don't know how to me this is slow burn because I'm like, it literally was the majority of an intense thrill ride with 30 minutes of setup. Like, that's not that slow to me. Like, yeah, it's slow, but it's not that slow. Like, I don't understand people that really gave this like a shitty score because of that. Well, I, I do think it's a slow burn, but I don't consider that a negative. I like a nice slow burn. I like build up. I like character development. I like to know why am I afraid of this? And yeah, I don't think there's I'm anything not, wrong with that. I'm not saying I don't mind something fast, like the 80 slashers, right? They were just like, Hey, we got to get the kills. Let's go. Like, <laughs> I'm okay with that too. But they also knew what they were doing. They're like, we know why you're here. We're going to give it to you. You know, like the final destination films are like, you know what you want to see. We're going to get you that. Like, that's fine. But it's just interesting to me, like, online critics, like, they just are never happy. It's like, well, this moved too fast, or this, there's no character development, or this one has it in spades before we get to the, like, the very intense hour long fucking finale. But they're like, ah, too slow. Like, what the fuck do you want? Well, as we've learned over the course of all of these shows, bitch is gonna bitch. (laughs) So I just have no faith in what they have to say. Like, clearly you weren't watching the movie correctly or you weren't, you know, you were on your phone or you just don't like horror movies to start with. So why are you here? There's just a certain kind of critic I can't stand. And they always seem to come to horror. Like They they rip it. They, they rip it apart like fucking piranhas. And they're most of the time their complaints have no basis. And it's just it helps bring this film score down. It's almost like, you know, like a fucking kamikaze critic. And uh, yeah, it, it's to me, it's Ron Tomato score is way too low. I would have this so much higher. What did you see? The user score it was like 45. Yeah, I don't understand that. I, I don't. Cause I'm like, this was a very, like you said, I thought it was very well crafted. I enjoyed the 30 minutes of build up because I generally liked the characters. I liked where this was going. And it even had like the, like you said, like when you hear him on the loudspeaker the way people, when he went to go find someone to interview and there was people not talking to him, like there was little things to kind of tell you like something's not right. So then when we got to that moment and, you know, Wes flips it on us, you're in, like you're, you're, you're fucking hooked and you're ready to go. Yeah. One of my favorite things in like horror movies like this is the idea of like the dark side of paradise. Like everything looks great but something's not right. You know, like blue velvet like, is probably like my favorite version of that. Where like, you know, this neighborhood's so nice, but why is there an ear in the field? Like something's fucked up here. And the sacrament has that for sure. Of just like, somebody's lying here. This is not paradise. This is not idyllic. This is a lie. But what you're trying to do is figure out where's the lie. Mm. 
and I like that. And you've got the little girl who's constantly following them, trying to find a way to ask for help. Like that's the biggest, like, Oh boy. Like that's where you're supposed to watch. And I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, Right off the bat, when they get to the compound and the dudes with the machine guns are like, put the camera down. I love that they're all like, this is not what we signed up for. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, like, it's supposed to be paradise. Why are there guys with guns coming after us? I love later on when he, uh, uh, Sam, right? Yeah. Asks, yeah. Uh, asks father that question and father turns it into like, oh, there you go. Turning the spin on on something so positive there there's your real colors right there like he's the bad guy and completely avoids the question yeah and avoids why there are armed dooms around this fucking compound that you can supposedly walk in and out of freely yeah exactly so like right off the bat you're like okay this place is built on a foundation of complete bullshit yeah <laughs> i do love when they get to the cabin and like they have, uh, sam and uh jake have a moment to like unpack and jake's like how freaked out were you by the trucks and he's like oh my god like they finally have a chance to talk about that <laughs> yeah i like how they have the moment of like downtime sorry my dog was i think having a nightmare he was yipping <laughs> in his sleep um yeah when they finally have that moment to kind of be like why was there um guys coming at us yeah well, the, also the helicopter pilots like very clear on like I will be back here at eight a.m. tomorrow. I will wait for an hour and then I am gone. Do you understand this? Yeah, <laughs> like he didn't want to hang around. Like he doesn't like being out there. <laughs> I love all the little you know the little moments of where everyone's just kind of uneasy about this whole situation. Uh, really cool, and I like that it was Vice because I like I go to Vice. <laughs> I look up. I look at them. It was cool that they yeah. like they're here. In the movie. I think this was like really on like cusp when Vice was on to like really break out. Yeah. It was when this film got made, I believe. So it made sense to have like Vice be the one because they were Vice has always like positioned themselves as like the counterculture of news. So it makes sense that Vice would be the news outlet we use as opposed to like having to be CNN or Fox or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they would just send, you know, one dude and a cameraman. Like it's not a clearly this is not an expensive production they get you know they're just hoping to get something out of this yeah. right vice doesn't give a shit i've seen the stuff that's safe missing like one dude in a camera somewhere and i'm like what are you doing vice <laughs> like oh we don't have money <laughs> like just get out there and get it uh so they get into the co- caroline shows up and is like hey brother i love you so much it's so great to see you i can't believe you're here this is such a great place like it's so fucking phony yeah, and it's and what's crazy is like no one can like really see it at first, and it's like it's to me it's funny because like she disappeared on you, hasn't talked to you, and all of a sudden she's hey, and then it's also established that they're rich because she makes that quick comment that you know we grew up on like the wealthy end of fucking Manhattan or whatever the fuck she said, but is that but I mean is that really living? I'm like it's better than what you're fucking living in now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like you're goddamn right, it is. And this was all a ploy so that she could get her brother into the compound so that they can then get their mom to send them money. She's making the compound. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Um, 
So Caroline and Patrick go off on their own and Sam and Jake just kind of start wandering around talking to people. And everyone's got this like larger than life. You know, I was down on my lowest point and then God reached out. Everyone's got this story and they're not buying it. Like they're, they're seeing holes. They're thinking like, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And then they, there's that one, the girl, the little girl's mom is like, don't talk to us. Like we'll get in trouble if you talk to us and they just leave. Yeah. Well, there's like those, those stories are too good to be true. You know, you see the little girl's mom, but then they go up to other people that are like, well, you give them time of day. They just kind of look at them and scurry off. So you can kind of tell them there is like, okay, something's up here. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And they just keep hearing father on the loudspeaker talking about, you know, praise be to God for it is the bountiful, whatever the fuck. And he just, you know, sermon over and everyone's like pauses and is like, ah, oh, father. And <laughs> like Jake or Sam's first question is like, why do you call him father? <laughs> like, that's not normal behavior. And Caroline's like, I know it seems weird to you. And like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and that what's funny is that the way he they answer questions is exactly how like he you know when you listen to all the cult stuff on various podcasts and they're talking about it, it's exactly how these fuckers talk. They're talking about their cult and they're like that. Not the ones that get out, but the ones that are like that brainwashed. It's like as soon as you start presenting like why this is not normal, why this is horrifying, and what the fuck's going on, it's not like oh I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to turn around and you and be like oh you just don't get it. It's like no this is weird. You don't call a grown man father. Like no one he's he no like he's not your father. What the fuck's going on here? Well like I mean just the mental gymnastics one has to do to justify this lifestyle that they have accepted at, when you're in a cult. Like you know you have to just kind of convince yourself that this is reality and you're the normal one. Otherwise, you will mentally collapse. It's, it's wild. Yeah, which just shows you that, not to be free or anything, but you're the crazy one at that point. Not me. I didn't yeah. fucking find this fucking bullshit. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so through Caroline, uh, they are able to get an interview with father. I wonder if anybody calls him daddy. Probably not. Caroline probably does. Probably does. Probably when she went to the cabin that night, there was a lot of uh, talks about daddy and punishment and being naughty. In, pub in public, it's father. In the bedroom, it's daddy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they get an interview with father, which is in front of the entire compound, which I thought was incredibly off-putting for uh, G uh, Sam. I, I thought, thought you know, points it out. He's like, "Oh, we're doing this in front of everyone." Yeah, like, and he's like, "Wait, what? I didn't want this." Well, this is father's way of controlling the narrative and controlling the situation. Uh, and Sam doesn't even get through it, like most of his questions because father hijacks the interview and flips it around on him when he brings up his pregnant wife. Which I loved that scene. I loved everything about this scene. Like Gene Jones, really fucking. Axe his ass off here. And um when he's like the way he's just not answering the questions and he's you know trying to and then when he does that moment and he asks him, Well, what about you're pregnant? Well, he asks him first, Do you love you know, if you're married, do you love your wife? And he, you know, he says yes, and he's like, 
well, about your daughter? And I'm like, what the fuck happened? I'm just sitting on my couch going, what is going on now? Like, he hijacked the shit out. I mean, who the fuck told him? I just assume he's got every cabin bugged. Like, that's how he knows. That's how he knows everybody's, you know, when everybody's got dissenting thoughts and he can handle that. When anybody's thinking of escaping, when there's outsiders, like, he can keep control of all that shit. That's what I just assumed. That's a good idea. Or, you know, he has his spies like Caroline that can relay information. But when he was talking about his his uh, his unborn child, I think like he and Jake were alone, right? I think so. I think they were in their cabin when they talked about it. Mm. I think it is bugs because I think I think Jones did that. Somebody a lot of cult leaders have done that. Just, you know, hidden cameras, hidden microphones just to keep this illusion that, you know, everything and you are you know, ever present. Yeah. Yeah. It is a brilliant switcheroo and you can see the moment where Sam's illusion of control completely disintegrates. It's, it's really impressive filmmaking Uh, and just super unnerving. Uh, And then even like father's like, are we done here? And takes off the microphone. It's like, we're going to go party now. And Sam's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right, then. Yeah, like, again, Ty West does such a great job pulling off this scene. And technically, you can give credit to Joe Swanberg. Like I said, he was, since he's a filmmaker, West gave him the freedom to go ahead and actually film, unlike how they usually do with these film footage films, where a, a cameraman's doing the actual, like, footage and the actress just doing their lines off in the fucking side. Um, you know, he was actually filming and everything, so... Yeah, no, brilliant how that was pulled off. And I love when he gets up and leaves and you see Joe Swanberg and um, I forget his character's name. Um, Jake. Jake, yeah. Jake and Sam kind of look at each other like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> when they're talking in the, in the like, outside the, the, the pavilion and they're both like, what was that? And I love when um, Jake's like, I mean, their band's pretty good. He wasn't lying about that. And I fucking hate church music. Yeah. <laughs> That made me laugh. Oh. And then this is when, again, like I said, this moment in the movie really switches for me. Like, it, like the moment that interview questions, when he, the moment he asked him about his daughter is when, like, his, this switches and you realize, okay, shit, they're officially in over their heads. Like, how are they going to get out of this? Like, he has ultimate control right now. Um, and, yeah, to further that point, to keep it going, that's when the little girl pops up and finds her way to finally tell them somehow or give them the message because we learn later that she doesn't actually talk for a reason. Um, she gives them that letter that says, like, please help us. Oh, boy. Yeah. Absolute tonal shift when they're both like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, and I love how they do it because he's actually, Sam's talking about, like, you know, he is kind of magnetic, like, He's talking about, like, you know, he's kind of seeing how people can fall for it. So you're thinking, nope, Sam, nope, nope. And then that, then she pops up and you're like, oh, thank gosh. Oh, thank God. He's not going to fall for it. After that, they go try to find Patrick because they're like, we got to figure out a game plan. And yeah, uh, we last saw, I was talking to two supposedly attractive females. We only saw the backsides, but it's, it's a movie. They're attractive. Let's be honest. If a cult's going to operate, they're going to find the two most attractive women they can and be like, hey, look, Tell this guy he's going to have a threesome. Lay it on thick. That's actually a legit tactical uh, thing that cults do is they deliberately 
have their most attractive members try to lure people in because you know they're sirens that's what they do uh so yeah that's definitely what father's doing here he's positioning his hottest people to lure in the photographer and uh they can't find it they find caroline who's fucked up and they're like aren't you in like recovery <laughs> like they, that's the whole re- reason you're here and yeah yeah, yeah you can tell she's clearly high which we like later find out that apparently father has copious amounts of cocaine <laughs> well i mean you're a cult leader like if you can fuck and you can kill, why can't you do as much drugs as you want? Who's gonna Who's gonna tell you to stop? <laughs> that was the line. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa! You can fuck all you want, and you can murder. We will not give you drugs. <laughs> oh, that's fun. there's probably line somewhere, sir. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they uh, they look in this office for Patrick, and this this scene creeped me out more than anything when they find the box of passports. Because the implications of that are terrifying. Yeah, like how many people have come here and haven't gone back? Oh, boy. <laughs> then when you go back to that line with the helicopter, probably like, I'm going to be here for an hour. You're like, okay, I'm starting to see why he says what he says. I wonder if he's been there for a while waiting for people and then had to leave. Well, and also the safe was open. So father wanted them to see that. Like they wanted them to know, like I'm in control. You're not getting out of here alive, without yeah. actually telling them that, just so they could stew, which is some crazy, sadistic shit. Yeah, and dude, oh god, I was. This is why I tell you, like I did not realize how tense I was for like the rest of the film going on, right? Because I was standing there when they opened that, and I and he makes that line. He's like, "Hey, someone's coming." I'm like, "Close the fucking safe. Get out of there. Get out of there. Don't get caught. Go, go, go." I was like, "Get the fuck out of there." Because, you know, Joe's phone was like, or Jake's like, oh, no, we need, I need his phone. And he's like, no, fuck that. Get out. Like, stop. And I'm like, yes, listen to him. You have it. I, saw, I watched you film it. Go. And then they're confronted by father who's like, help you find something, gentlemen, or something like that. Like, you lost. Wouldn't want you to wander into the wrong place. And him and uh, J- Sam have kind of a, a battle of wits in the moment there. And Jake's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. Stop. <laughs> that, that whole scene from the Battle of Wits to again that implication of not only is she doing drugs with father, she's fucking father. She comes up there and gets all cuddly with them. And you're like, oh God. Because he even says a line like, hey, Caroline, father needs uh, some help with something. I'm like, oh, oh. I was like, oh, we know what he needs help with. I do love that line of like, you know, do whatever you want, gentlemen, but when you stick your hand in the dog's bowl, don't be as surprised to find did you get bit. <laughs> like it, Sam's like, are you threatening me? Like, what do you mean by that? It's like, good night, gentlemen. Like, just ending it right there. Like, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, and then I love how, like, that little part when, like, Sam runs to the door to try to get uh, Patrick, and then they look, and he's fucking looking out the window at them. I'm like, you guys need to fucking go. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah. Pardon me, gentlemen. Father's got to fuck this junkie. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Um, I was legit concerned that something was going to happen the rest of the night. Like, I was like, oh, my God, something's going to fucking go down. Well, when they start gathering at the pavilion, like in the middle of the night, I'm thinking like, oh, they're going to lynch these guys. Like, this is this is is it. They're going to be sacrificed to God or something's going to happen here. And I love that they did not sleep the whole time. They're both just like so fucking on edge. They can't sleep. Yeah. 
It's too real. Cause like, yeah, if I was trapped in a Holt compound and was a non-believer and they knew that I, I wouldn't sleep. <laughs> no, you know, you couldn't make the argument that maybe depending on how many arm games he has night would be your best time to try to escape. Mm, I but don't you know. Have I mean, to really, you have to really know your way through that forest because it'd be pitch black. Yeah. Well, they said it was a two mile drive to the, to the chopper, which isn't there. And they've surrounded the compound with, you know, fucking AK 47s and trigger happy psychos. I, they, it did not feel like they had an opportunity. No. Oh, uh, so when they get up, they've word has traveled throughout that there's a chopper and people are trying to leave. Yeah. And, that was terrifying. I kept waiting well, for the other shoe to drop. Wait, wait, wait. Before we have that, we have the one last scene at night, the last uh, oh, night yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. when And it kind of freaks me out. And for a minute, I thought, like, okay, this score is absolutely going to try to fucking murder them. When she goes up to the door and he had placed the camera so you can see behind them and they don't see her come up and she just knocks and runs. For a minute, I was like, this bitch is about to kill her. I was like, I'm going to invest in this little girl and she's about to fucking murder them. That's what's about to happen here because that was freaky. Why would you do that? It is. Yeah, it's, it was just so sad that those four people are like, you got to get us out of here. This is not paradise. They're going to kill us. You got to you got to do something. And they're like, we can't get everybody's like, well, then just take the little girl. Take my daughter. Like, oh, boy. Yeah, it was fucking heart wrenching. Because you can see in Sam's eye, he's because he's like, he's about to have a daughter. So he's like, I, I want to take this little girl at least. Like, I can't I have to take her. Um, And I got fuck. I got so tense when the guy the on dunes came through. And like I, I understand Sam saying what he said because he didn't want nothing to happen to that little girl. When he was like, "We just found her wandering around, just trying to figure out where she's at. We can take her." And that I mean, like, we know where she's at. We can take her. And I'm like, "Oh God!" And I, but I do love that moment when they go back to the cabin, and you can even see Sam again when he's like, "Why should sure, I just fucking? Why did I say what I was like?" He's beating himself up. Like, why did I let them take her? I love the storytelling aspect that, you know, Sam's about to be a father. He's got children on the brain. He wants to be a good father. So like that instinct is in his head during this. And that's why he goes out of his way to try to save this little girl. That's good storytelling. That's character development. Well done, Ty. Uh, Yeah. And then they're just kind of like, well, fuck, what do we do now? And they wake up and everyone's trying to leave. And everyone who's like loyal to father is like, you can't leave. And Sam's like, they can leave, right? And he's like, Yeah, they can leave. It's not what I meant. Like, yeah, I, I love that. I love he keeps calling them out. And she's like, No, they can't leave. And he's like, Well, wait, they can leave, right? And she's like, well, it's not what I meant. I was like, Well, it sounds like they can't because you're literally fighting them on why they can't leave. She's like, I have to go get father. Stop fucking filming me. Like, <laughs> this is Caroline. This is the real Caroline. Shit's yeah. about to go off. Yeah, Oof. after it's been hinted, I think at that night scene, they hinted that like she's one of the worst. At- punishments because that's when they reveal what happened to the daughter why she won't talk and they had beat her so severely yep. if this was nexium she's allison mack uh to bring up another cult yeah mm-hmm. what's the guy's name keith ranieri i think so i just know allison mack because her uh she's been like convicted now and all that shit recently there was a uh so, apparently this is a quick aside it's got nothing to do with the movie but this made me laugh because holy fuck uh, Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum are apparently working on an animated Smallville series. And they were yeah. asked about like how much of the original cast is going to be involved. And Tom Welling said, well, it'll be a little hard to get Allison. <laughs> like, fuck, dude. 
I mean, I wouldn't have sympathy. I would be like, look, I would look at it like you were a successful actress. What the fuck got you to take little girls and sell them to a sex cult willingly? You knew what you were doing. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I hope I hope she fucking rots. And she so got I, such I, a light sentence though for turning on him. I, I fucking hate that. I hope uh, I, uh, I, she's going to go to a richer prison, so nothing bad's going to happen. But I was like, if she went to an actual prison, they found what she did. Oh my god, those yeah. prisoners would fucking murder her. Yeah, state prison with the crotch binders. Sorry, it's from Evolution. Um. I'm just saying, like, if those who don't know, I don't know if I mentioned it. If you if you know anyone that feels the need to do things to children and they go to jail and criminals who have raped and murdered find out about it, they will kill you. Like they, I think they have to put those people in like separate facilities. Yeah, there's this odd sort of weird code of ethics when it comes to children for a lot of criminals. I, I fucking love that there are people I know, I love it. don't I'm, fuck I'm with glad. kids and they just butcher them in prison. Yeah, like I I I'm not condoning any criminal behavior. So I'm like even criminals are like, no, no, we're with you. Anything that happens to children, we'll fuck them up when they get caught and come to prison. We got you, society. <laughs> like, okay, sweet. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Fuck. Um, yeah, no. Um, quick, I guess quick. It has nothing to do with Colts, but think of people saying funny comments. Have you seen the flurry of comments being made about Sam Elliott's remarks from the oh, people boy. involved with the movie? Oh, yeah. my yeah, I think it was what uh who came out recently? I think it was a director. Yeah, Jane Campion was like, Yeah, you you sexist asshole. Like, I love that. So he, he's like, fucked. Oh yeah, his his career shot. Like, I mean, and granted, this is it like bad for him. He's 77, he's had a lot of successful career. He's gonna he's gonna die wealthy regardless. Yeah, it's not that bad, but still, like, why the fuck did you feel the need to say that, Sam? Like, I reiterate what a Odd hill to die on. I, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, fuck Sam Elliott, fuck Keith Raniere, fuck Allison Mack. I know they're not in the same league, those three, but we- <laughs> yeah, Sam Elliott just apparently doesn't like homosexuals and may or may not think women are second class. <laughs> Allison Mack willingly sold women to a, a child sex ring. Um, well, but yeah, going back to the movie, yeah, Caroline's um, a bitch and she's hurting these people. Yes, I do like again, kind of going back to what we were talking about with Sam's uh fiery instincts already kind of kicking in. He gets involved and he's like, Well, okay, I'm going to get this little girl out of here. You can tell his camera's like, Dude, we gotta go. And I'm not gonna lie, as as someone myself, you know, I'm seeing enough kids, I was on the fence. I was like, I don't know what I would do. Like, on one hand, I wouldn't, I would want to get this little girl out of here. Absolutely. So she has a chance at a better life. But at the same time, Jake's not wrong. Like, they, what are they going to do? They need to get out of there while they can, show their footage to people so they can get authorities to get the fuck in there. That's where I'm at. Like, I feel like the best thing you can do is play nice, leave, and then bring the fury down. Like, once you get out, get people there. Uh, but, you know, it looked like time was of the essence and you know, in the moments, you're not thinking that straight. Yeah, and like, oh. like, like we said, they've, they, you know, Tyrus did a great job establishing that he's going to be, he's a father to be. So that's what's on his mind. So that it makes sense that that's, you know, at no point was I like, Sam, you fucking. I was like, I, I get it. Like, you're going to be a father. You know, you're going to have a daughter. This is a little like again, great, like you said, right? 
character development, storytelling, 101, yep. it makes sense he'd be this invested and want to really try at the very least get this little girl out of here. Yeah. I love that, you know, they separate. Sam tells Jake, like, you know, get to the get to the chopper and uh, <laughs> get out of here. I'll, you know, I'll meet you there once I figure this shit out. And Jake's like, okay. I love that he's just like, all right. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can leave. All right. Yeah, I'm out. I try to help you, buddy. Bye. <laughs> I, I did get a little panicky when that guy with the machete just comes down on Sam. I'm like, oh, they killed him off screen. And like, Jake's going to find his fucking head on an altar somewhere. Oh, yeah, dude. As soon as I was like, again, like I said, I was so fucking, and I didn't like my tension, like my tenseness, people just kept building. And like, when that happened, I was like, fuck. I was like, no, no, no. Because meanwhile, like, as that's happening, you know, they establish that, you know, Jake gets on the truck. Caroline acts fucking so weird and just strongs off. And the truck takes him. And the whole time, everything, like, he's going to get fucking shot. Something's going to fucking happen. I literally was sitting there going, like, something's going to fucking happen. He's going to get shot. This is a setup. And I was like, the helicopter's not going to be there. Something's going to happen. None of that happened. But then they attempt to fucking kill him they shoot the helicopter pilot i'm thinking fuck they killed the helicopter pilot yep no. <laughs> uh, and then jake runs through the jungle avoiding gunfire i love how he tricks yeah. them and the audience with the camera yeah i remember thinking like oh shit and then I was like, this is too easy he fucking and sure enough they i'm like yeah yeah and i was like anyone by the way you want to think how did he avoid all those bullets just so you know ak-47 so wildly inaccurate um, and he's a moving target so yeah so good luck if anything he was yeah i remember thinking i was like ah, good thing they have ak-47s because those things are notorious for not being accurate plus i highly doubt these guys are trained soldiers these guys were given these guns to look scary i don't think they know entirely how to use these correctly no the only reason they got the pilot and I, they probably meant to kill him but they but again inaccuracy they're probably not very good so they end up nick him in the fucking arm yeah. it was probably just a lucky shot um uh, for no, everybody yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i like how he does that trick and then again you, you know going back to like good storytelling and good script writing right um there's what seems like a throwaway throwaway line for us and we'll get to it later but time is seen throwaway one of the goons expresses doubt yeah and says like hey why are we doing this or something along those lines and the other one's like, this is what the father wants. We always do what the father wants. And I'm like, even his hired goons, not all of them follow. I was like, okay. And I, I didn't think anything of it. And we'll get to it later. But at the time, I was like, okay, cool little throwaway line, like establishing that even the goons aren't all on board with what's going on here. Yeah. It's a, it's a very tight script. Uh, like, Ty West is a good director, but he is a fucking great writer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Jake just heads his heads back to the compound that two mile walk, and meanwhile, yeah, yeah. okay. Again, I got so tense when like he he gets to like the entrance and he turns the camera to talking, and the whole time I'm sitting there going, He's gonna get fucking shot, he's gonna get stabbed. Like the whole time this movie's going, like something's gonna happen, and then like he's walking, like they're gonna fucking come out, and then I was like, Well, wait a minute, it finally clear. I was like, Wait, he's one of the two cameras, I was like, He has to live. Or else we don't have a movie. <laughs> well, true, but then you know we see father tell Carolyn like pick up that camera. I want them to see this. So oh yeah, that you know having a camera does not necessarily you know save you a spot on the helicopter. 
But this is true. Again, really good script writing, you know, finding ways to make sure we can establish documentary footage throughout the damn movie. Because when you think like, oh, shit, okay, well, there goes that cameraman. Yeah, like so far, I was like, oh, you want to take the camera, I need people to see this. But yeah, but that actually is a good segue because before we even really get to that two-mile hike and he sees everything, we have that whole scene. Oof. Yeah, this is... Oh, yeah. They start... Once they saw the Kool-Aid, I'm like, ah, shit. (laughs) This is... Here we go. And they also... They brought that in later, like, earlier on when they were in the, um, the medical hut. The nurse says, like, thank God we haven't had to use most of the medication. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh shit, that, that came into play later. Mm. Hi, my man. Good work. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so father's just like, all right, everybody gather around. The journalists have betrayed us. They're going to come and kill everybody. So we're going to do a preemptive strike. Everybody take a sip. Like, and look, I have to say from, you know, and I, I mean, this place will move, but this scene was so fucking well done from all across the board from the tension to the acting everything about this was so pitch perfect and just making you start to really if you're not already tense you're going to tense up during the scene if you are tense you're going to tense up more the way it is being done from him talking to seeing the people that have doubts and then like saying no no we're going to do it to them establishing that there are needles for the children that either can't take it or won't do it um Look, I've like I'm one of those that like for me personally, I know like some people they are like they can't see. I didn't run a show like people that like they have no issue seeing children get harmed on screen, but pets, oh my god. I can't like it's hard for me for both personally. Like they're seeing animals or children get harmed on screen is always stuff tough for me to watch. I'm never gonna not I mean I want to watch it if it's in the movie ultimately, but it is tough. And God, when uh, they picked up that needle, you know, to that crying baby, oh my god. Uh, that was tough i had like i was like oh god i have to keep watching this for the podcast i was like oh when they're scanning the the wreck like the the carnage and the nurse is dead with that note that says please forgive me i audibly screamed at my tv no fuck you oh yeah i said fuck you i actually i remember thinking like i said i was like you're going to fucking hell like fuck you whatever again whatever terrible afterlife you believe in whatever you know what your legend with that i hope she goes and rots i was like no you killed fucking babies that didn't have a choice Ugh, yeah that just watching father's loyal ones start pouring kool-aid down people's throats and that one guy who's like this isn't right and father's like we're not you know why are we giving up like we're not giving up we're like this is a noble thing like and people start grabbing him and like forcing him down into his seat and he's just like, uh, like, kind of gives up and chugs it. Oh boy, how many? I wonder how many dissenters there there were in Jonestown. Oh, it had to be a lot. I mean, nine hundred nine people for Christ's sakes. Um, and this is like just seeing this on a micro level of that, right? As you see, like them taking it, and then the chaos that just breaks out as there are people dying and people kind of going, "Oh shit, I don't want this," and trying to run away and then getting shot. If you don't take it, you're going to get shot. And it, oh, yeah, it's, it's a rough, yeah. a rough scene. Um, and the whole time I'm thinking, where the fuck is Sam? <laughs> like, yeah. And, and where's Patrick? And we get to see where Patrick is and his own sister poisons him. 
and holds him as he convulses and dies. And it, it's a it's a long continuous take, and they nailed it. Uh, those two actors, well done. I believe that shit. Ooh, goddamn Patrick, poor guy. He came here to save his sister. Yeah, save his sister. Thought he was going to have a threesome, and instead, get poisoned. And then all the hallmarks um, of a bad day. God damn it. Um, but yeah, no, this just like, look, like if you're thinking of like, to me, like standout horror scenes for whatever, this is one of those scenes that like, it's a standout scene as dark as target the way it's executed from again, that, um, the buildup with him talking and you can see the doubt in people, even the one that didn't say, I mean, they're showing some people you can kind of see, like they're having them. I'm like, do I really want to do this? Like I'm about to drink poison. Um, and then seeing the chaos just unfold as people are trying to, like, you know, escape. Loved ones are holding each other as they're dying. Like, it is, yeah, it's a fucking just very well-executed scene. One of the freakiest was when Sam walks in on Caroline pouring gasoline all over herself. And oh my she takes one of those, like, old-person grill lighters and lights herself up. Like fuck, I was, I was I I didn't think like burn you bitch, but also like Jesus Christ, this is this is rough. Yeah, one well, before that, I like when she had the she sat there and you're like, I have no one, I have no family. I'm like, yes, you do. Like, how brainwashed are you to think that now that all this is gone, you have nothing? When your brother came to attempt to save you, so you clearly have family that loves you on the other side, but you're so brainwashed and not wanting to get hopes. Like we said, it's kind of selfish that she is clearly still a junkie. That this, like, now that this is gone, you have nothing, and you're going to literally put burn yourself to death. Ouch. Uh, yeah, bonkers. Yeah, so yeah, and that then that's when we get back to Jake getting into the compound, and yeah. he's seeing everything that just went down. And yeah, talk about tents. Anytime he was yelling, I'm like, shut the fuck up. There's armed goons, or technically goon. There was one armed guy walking around. So everyone shot themselves. Um, Jesus Christ. And then we get to the, the scene that made me quite visibly yell at my TV. Um, you know, he's yelling and he's seeing people dead in their cabins that did in their cabins. And you hear the gunshots. He's like, fuck. Runs to the cabin that's holding that little girl and her daughter, daughter that they head out. And I'm thinking, she might, she might get saved yet. And he, he's trying to tell them, get under the bed. Get under the bed. Come on. Get under here. They're coming. He's coming. And she slits her. And I was, again, you don't see it in grisly detail, but I was surprised at how he held on to that shot. And as you see, her, this mother slit her daughter's throat. That you're rooting to get the fuck out of there. And that's when I had my audible, like, fuck, like, out loud yeah. at the TV. Same. I think I was like, ah, like I kind of screamed a little bit. Uh, and then the guy just walks in with zero hesitation, shoots them both. Just Christ, man, to be that in deep on something like this, to have no hesitation in murdering a woman and her child like that. Yeah. And then just walk away. God damn. God. And yeah, that was, yeah, that again, really surprised I didn't hear more about like they had to fucking ban this move, blah, blah. Like they, he got away with some stuff. And I, I mean, I'm glad because uh, to me, if you were to try to hide some of that stuff and not, it would lose its impact. I think in a way we have to see it 
for yeah. the impact to really hit, to really understand this cult stuff. I want to hijack some church viewing of a VeggieTales movie and put this movie on and just wait for people to wake up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I know. All right. That's ugh. Um, uh, yeah. And then that's when you get to the scene you talked about where she puts herself on fire. And then Jake, I think that's when after that he finally finds Sam. Yeah. In the big house with father holding a gun to him and snorting Coke for his, you know, well, seasoning for his last meal, that bullet. Yeah. I, I ferment that like he's going to take them both out. Holy shit. Yeah, I was like, no one's making it out of this one alive, are they? But nope, father kills himself for after blaming them for this, saying, like, you killed my family. Like, you self-righteous, egotistical prick. No, you're the one that fed them fucking poison and then injected babies. There was no need for that. Based off a whole fucking lie that, like, you know, fucking SWAT is outside the gates waiting to take you all out. Nobody knew. These guys just wanted to get out. Like they weren't, they had no agenda. If anything, their footage made you look great. <laughs> yeah. I was like, had you honestly not done anything and you let those people go, you're, you probably would have had a big boost in numbers and financial stuff. But you're yeah. cold there. God. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, oh God. The whole time I was tense. I was getting pissed off because I'm like, they didn't do this. You fucking idiot. And now he pulls a gun out and shoots himself. And I, I love their fucking response. Again, it's always refreshing when horror films can write smart characters. I, I understand that, look, it's it's a movie. You got to write them down sometimes to get the plot going. Like, it's just, it's how it works. But when we can get smart characters, it is nice, right? When the story allows it. And their reaction, as soon as that happens, it sounds like, get, get the fucking key, untie. Like, they mean, like, okay, let's not stay around. Get me out of this. We got to go. We got to go. I'm <laughs> like, that's what I'm talking about. Get him out of that fucking chair and go. Fucking get the fuck out of there. I love that the the guy who expressed doubt earlier saves them in the end. Like the one of the, the evil goon sees them in the in the crowd and is gonna kill them, and then he gets shot. And the blue shirt guy's like, get out of here, go. I'm lighting this place up. Yeah. And again, that's why I mentioned that again when you mentioned the scripting and you see that? I remember going, "Holy shit!" It's the guy who expressed out. Like that's again good, right? Good script writing. Um, yeah, yeah that dude, another intense scene. And again, yeah, he did exactly. We said he grabbed the body to hide himself. And I'm like, I remember sitting there going, "Oh my god!" But and this is what I'm talking about when I told when I texted you, like my my I could feel my own tenseness go away the whole time. I'm sitting going, "Oh shit!" They're going to fucking. They're getting it. Like the guy's coming. He sees them. Fuck, fuck. As soon. As that dude got shot, and I heard him go, get out of here. All attention to my body released so quick. I was like, oh, thank you. You know, it's even more impressive that uh, I read in the trivia that this film went into production before the script was finished. Like, they, he was still working on it. So the fact that it's so tight is really miraculous. Like, I'm, I'm blown away by that. And that they went, they, they got through the jungle, they made it, and the, the helicopter pilot was still there. Like, he'd been yeah. shot twice. He still waited for them. <laughs> he waited his hour. Yeah. What a dedicated pilot. <laughs> I, I, even then, like, as, as happy and relieved I was, I'm everything like, fuck, is he going to be dead when they get there and they're still screwed somehow? 
And then the pilot starts singing up. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank you, God. I was hired to fly you in and fly you out, and I don't give a fuck what happens in between. I'm going to do that. <laughs> oh. I do like and- when he got shot and, like, Jake goes back. And the pilot's like, what are you doing? Just give me in my seat. I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's dedicated. He's <laughs> like, I got this. I can still fly. He's got a bullet in his shoulder, a bullet in his leg. He's like, I can still do this. I can still do this. Just go get your friend. I'll wait an hour. He went from, I'm not bringing anybody else. That was not the deal to get your friends. We're going to make it out of this like together. Yeah. Yeah. Like at first he's like, no, I'm not taking your friends, which I kind of get on his end. Like I run into a helicopter and can't house many people. And two, again, and like... I wouldn't want to risk anything, like, pissing these guys off. Yeah, because, again, there was always that establishment of him at the very beginning saying, like, hey, I'm only going to be here an hour and then you get your ass back on and go. So he was established that he is scared of those people. Like, his relationship with them is on a tightrope. And if he does anything to fuck it up, he's toast. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, they make it out. Jake, Sam, and helicopter pilot make it out. I, I don't think we ever learned his name. We don't. We just he's the unsung hero of the movie. Damn right he is. Uh, and we get some bookends talking about the uh, the body count. One sixty seven uh, people were uh, died. These two were the only survivors. They don't. I guess the helicopter pilot doesn't count as a survivor, or maybe he succumbed to his wounds when they landed. Like all, like he bled out, but he still had enough in him to get them out of there. <laughs> his sole mission in life was to get them out of there. <sighs> like as I soon will- as they land, he died. He looks and was like, thank you for letting me complete my mission. And then just dies. <laughs> I get paid to do a job. Thank you for letting me do that job. <laughs> Some people, man, they, I get it. They live for the grind. <laughs> uh, it's fucked up. That's uh, over. Uh, this was their account. They turned it into a documentary and it's called The Sacrament. And we got to watch it. It's not a real documentary, but yeah, just remember that this isn't real. <laughs> it's only a movie, but to their credit, Tyrus, I really give credit for how like authentic he was going from beginning to end with this film and yeah. trying to make you really believe in what you're seeing. Hell yeah, man. One. Here are some filmgasm facts for the sacrament. Number one. Gene Jones nailed his big interview scene in a single 17-minute take. One take. That is wow. I know. Where why is this guy not getting more work? Holy fuck. It's, all right. Okay, here's my soapbox moment. This is what I'm talking about, right? Like with the academy and all this the snubbing of awards. And I'm not saying like I look, I'm at a point now where I don't need my horror films at the Oscars. Like, as far as I'm concerned, we're too good for them. Um, <laughs> they go fuck themselves. But the just the sheer ig- ig- ignoring of performances like this. Like, first off, I was blown away by how good he was in the movie. The fact that you're telling me in this scene, which I thought was a such a well-done scene, and how he commanded the screen in this scene, and how, you know, and everything, how... He was able to put off this this charade of being nice, but you could just tell there was something dark underneath. And he did that. And now you're telling me he did that in one continuous 17-minute long take and was like, yep, I'm good. Like, that's acting as far as I'm concerned. That is acting. Yeah, that's amazing. That's in- impressive. That's commitment. Goddamn. Uh, 
Number two, according to the film commentary, in the originally conceived ending, the helicopter pilot was not shot. Once the helicopter got to altitude, the pilot proclaimed, we must follow father's orders and crashed the helicopter, killing everyone on board. That was the original ending. Holy shit. How fucking hurt would you have been if that was the end of the movie? You know, I've had a few moments in life where I've uh, stared blankly at the the credits because the films just really got me. Breaking for a Dream was one that did that where I remember just staring at the credits. Yeah. Just wondering all the choices in my life. That would have been a moment like that. I still probably would have really liked the ballsiness of that ending. And again, like it would have worked in being how realistic they were going with. It would have worked to tighten the helicopter pilot in that way. And it would have made because they could have made it make sense. We're like, well, this is why we had him because he's actually in with us. Um, but I mean, I'm glad we got the one we got. I'm glad this is a case where I'm really happy we got the happy ending, quote unquote. Um, but I I would have been okay with this ballsy ending. It just I definitely would have that moment. I'm just staring at the credits like, oh, okay. I don't know if I could have handled it. I I knowing he's got a you know baby on on the way, and just all the shit they went through to get out of this and to have the the chopper pilot. That they like, you know, saved almost. Well, I guess in that version he wasn't shot, but still, like to just have him go like, nope, and crash that fucker. <laughs> God. Um, and number three, the original ending uh, of the helicopter pilot committing suicide, killing everyone on board, is very similar to one of the many plans Jim Jones Colt had to commit suicide. One of Jones's mistresses took flying lessons and got her pilot's license in case they ever wanted to fill a plane up with people's temple members and crash it in the name of the cult. So they actually were going to do that. That was one of the, like the plan B's of the mass suicide. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Unreal, man. Ugh. Just knowing that it was that planned out is so scary. Like this was not an impulsive act by Jim Jones. This was, you know, if I can't poison them, I'm going to crash them in a plane. Like, and I wonder there's, what else he had on board for that. There's something scary in this film, and a lot of cult films play on it. Even American Horror Story um, cults, when they did that season, a cult played on it. The Just the ideal of, like, you're not in control, you're officially trapped, and you don't even know it. And there's all these different avenues that they have planned out if you try anything to get out. That is just terrifying to me. I think that's why I say, like, had they shot that originally, it would have worked, sort of enhanced that theme of like them never being in control from the moment they got they got there. Um, but yeah, that's just always been just a terrifying concept to me. Oh man, me too. I hate not being, you know, the idea of not actually being in control of my own actions is a terrifying thought. And these films always remind me, like, it could be so much worse. I could be trapped in a compound. I could, you know, can, I could be giving worship to some asshole who makes me call him father. Like that could be, you know, there are people out there who have to deal with that shit every day because they put their trust in the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Father in public, but it makes you call him daddy in private. Father in the streets, daddy in the sheets. It's a good t-shirt right there. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm not sorry. Uh, I give the sacrament an eight. It's a slow burn, very effective, really showcases the carnage and horror 
of the Jonestown Massacre. Very well-written script. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving this one a nine. I rocked away really, really impressed with this. Um, watching a lot of horror films, I don't necessarily always get like that feeling of tense. Like I did watching this. Um, still does not compete when I've sat through Uncut Gems and that fucking feeling of anxiety that grew with <laughs> me for like two goddamn hours. Um, oh, yeah, man. But I mean, I I was tense, and like I said, I I I didn't even know it until I had that release at the end when the guy comes in and says like, "Get out of here! I'm burning it all to the ground." And I'm just like, I remember just being literally out loud going, "Oh my god, thank you!" Like, <laughs> so just incredibly tense film, so well written. I I I like the slow burn aspect of it, just drawing you in for it, the shit goes down. Incredible performances throughout. Just yeah, this is this is one of Ty Russ's best films. Like this, I like a lot of his stuff, and this is up there. My possibly, I won't say my favorite. I want to wait till X comes out and see how X stands. But this was a damn good movie. Fuck yeah, that's high praise. Very cool. Uh, well, this was a fun episode. Really disturbing subject matter, but turned into a really fun conversation. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Like a horror fan. Right, horror fans, we thrive in these dark conversations. We really do. I just, I think about, you know, we're almost to two hundred of these, and we have done a lot of fucked up films, and we've turned that into like entertaining conversation. I hope, and it's just, it's fun. It's funny to me to imagine like what we've, what we've kind of, you know, thrown in the blender and gotten out of it. <laughs> yeah, we've got some good jokes. Like if you're alone with a baby. In Halloween 2018. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. One of my favorite ones was back when we did The Exorcist, um, Austin and I. And there's a scene in that movie where after like all the crazy shit Regan does, the doctor's like, well, it's probably just a bad case of nerves. <laughs> and we were like, wow, nerves just aren't what they used to be. This is I always love that in movies when like the most wild shit happens and like they're having anxiety issues i'm like she stabbed herself in the vagina with a cross what 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 are you talking about i just picture like the doctor watching regan's head turn around 360 degrees and just being like that's the most nervous child i've ever seen (laughs) it's like randy in south park i'm so startled (laughs) i'm so startled uh that was a good one uh so yeah we have a blast here we love talking fucked up movies turning them into entertainment it's a fun hobby that's how i process these movies most of them there's there's been ones or twos he's said i can't it's very hard for me to apply that to with the movie yeah yeah i understand that uh well if you like the show you can always follow us on the socials facebook instagram and twitter at filmgasm productions check out our website filmgasm.com for all sorts of fun shit reviews articles trailers all of our shows uh if you want to send us some uh, suggestions or whatnot you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or you can send us a message on the socials if you want to support the show in any way you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider we appreciate uh anything you want to throw our way uh thanks for listening next week we go back to the cycle where uh, all four members of the core team pick a film to discuss on the show it's been a minute since we've gone into the cycle we've had a lot of timed episodes for random releases and random reasons, but we're back to the cycle starting next week. And it's my pick um, as we tackle a comic book film that was condemned by critics and some fans upon release, 
but I believe has taken on cult status. Undercover FBI agent Frank Castle sees his life unravel when the mob executes his entire family and leaves him for dead. But Castle survives and becomes a vigilante to hunt down the men who took everything from him. No criminal is safe from the wrath of the Punisher. 2004's version stars Thomas Jane as Castle and John Travolta as the sadistic mobster Howard Saint. So I get to go full fucking Travolta next week. Uh, It's been a minute since I sat down and actually watched this one. I can't wait to talk about it next week. Uh, It's a long time coming. So excited to get back to the cycle and also to talk about the Punisher. I know I shouldn't do that, but every time I hear Travolta, I just always go back to the Jim Norton joke when the Masseuse thing was going on. (laughs) I get it. The things we would do, something about like when he gets out of the plane and spits. <laughs> Listen, John. I think it's ad- I think it's admirable that Travolta is apparently able to swing his asshole open like saloon doors. <laughs> I think that's a skill. <laughs> but more on that next week. <laughs> uh, don't miss Strange Land on Fridays Beyond the Bad, The Wizard of Oz on Oscar Sunday. And more Ty West with X on Monday's sneak preview. Until then, don't sell everything you have to a cult compound and abandon your family for someone who calls themselves father and keep watching movies. (laughs) 